Amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, happy Super Bowl Sunday. All right, that's good stuff. <laughs> he brought a, a uh, yellow flag that if I say anything wrong from the pulpit, he's going to throw it at me. There it goes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. Well, to begin with this morning, I want to put on the screen, Kylie Goodman has uh, joined the military, the Army, and she is off at boot camp, cannot receive uh, any kind of letters or calls, or, or she can see receive letters, but no phone calls or anything. Like that. So what I want you to do is we want to flood her with support letters. Can I hear an amen? amen? So what I need you to do is you can turn back to the back screen if you want to take that picture. Take this picture so you have the address, all right? So just keep it up there for a couple of minutes. Uh, she is a, a fantastic uh, young gal, and uh, she started going to college and really felt called to go to the military, so just really excited about her being there, but we've got to pray that God bless her, God keep her safe, and um, keep her uh, around the right people. Right. Of course, when she comes back, she'll be able to take all of us down, <laughs> amen, so that's six months. Okay. I told you to look back there. All right. Nothing like a hometown church, amen? Amen. Bunch of rednecks. No, I'm kidding. kidding, kidding. All right. Hopefully you got that. We have uh, something else going on. We are taking a trip this summer to Nicaragua, and so we have uh, our leader, uh, Sandra. Why don't you come? She's going to present for five minutes, our under. All right. She's going to speak about... Do you have a mic? You don't have a mic. Uh, where's Jason Corson? We need a mic up here. Okay, she's come ahead. Anyway, um, so she's going to talk about Nicaragua and show some slides and uh, get you interested and excited about that. All right? All right. Give Sandra a hand. Will you help her out? Thank you, sis. All right, appreciate that. She's going to have more information available. If you have any questions, go see her, and she'll uh, set you up with that. There's also a guy coming in a couple of weeks for an information meeting, um, and we'll let you know how that goes. All right, Proverbs. We are continuing our series in Proverbs. Hopefully you have enjoyed it. I really am enjoying uh, all of the comments of what you are uh, getting from the book of Proverbs in your studies. And uh, that, that, that really blesses my heart, seeing you in the Word of God and then comment, commenting about passages that touch your life. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about friends, and I'm really excited about this, what the book of Proverbs says about a friend and um, the kind of friend we want to have in our lives and the kind of friend we want to be. All right, the kind of friend we want to have in our lives and the kind of friend that we want to be. Um, the thing about friends is, here's, here's the deal, is that uh, at some point in your life, you're going to find yourself close to some individuals and you're going to be mingling with them and they're going to become your friends and you can call them uh, amigos, padres, posse, whatever you want to call them. 
They're going to be in your pros, 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 yeah, they're going to be in your arena, so to speak, all right? And the problem is, is as, as, as life begins, you're going to be getting close to people that are moving in a different direction than you are, okay? And as you are moving through life and you have these friends that are moving in the different direction, what you have to do is, is you have to pull back and give yourself some space because they will take you out. If they're moving in a direction that's different from you morally, if they're moving in a different direction you financially, you'll get pulled in and they literally will take you out. All right? So, so you first heard this when you were growing up. If you grew up in a normal American home, you heard this from your parents all the time. They freaked out about the kids that you were hanging out with. Okay, uh, your mom would say, uh, no, you can't go over. And you'd say, why? I want to go over there. And, and they would say, no, you can't go to his house. You can't go to her house. And you, we didn't understand it growing up. It was completely vague to us. We thought, hey, can I go over there and stay all night? And they said, no. And you said, but, but mom, it's, it's so much fun. There's no one around. We can do whatever we want. I mean, we just have a blast all night long. Why can't we go? And then, duh. They would answer. Uh, you just answered your own question. All right? So, so if parents could, they would choose your spouses, wouldn't they? As you were growing up, they, what, what, wouldn't you choose, would you choose her? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, I mean they would do that, and they, they believe for just a couple of years in arranged marriages. Other than that, when it was their turn, they didn't believe it, okay? So, so, but here's the thing. They understood a principle in life, and that is this, that friends ultimately influence the direction and quality of your life. Friends will influence the direction and the quality of your life. Look what Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says. It says this. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate yourself with fools and you will find yourself in trouble. All right? Now, now I would love to just zero in and talk about this, but we want to get to the last part of the sermon, and that's where we're going to talk seriously about the kind of friends we want in our lives and the kind of friends we want to be. But first of all, I want to talk about six red flags in relationships. Six red flags in relationships, the, the kind of friends you do not want in your life, all right? Number one is the isolationist. Proverbs talks about this, all right? An isolationist is a person who, who literally pulls away from everybody, and he, he loves to surround himself with himself. Look at Proverbs 18.1. It says this, whosoever isolates himself seeks his own desires, Okay, so you don't want an, isolate, an isolationist because that kind of friend is only concerned about his interest, not your interest, okay? He's only concerned about his. And look what it says. It goes on and says, um, he breaks out against all sound judgment. In other words, he doesn't have, you know, sound judgment. And that's not the kind of friends that you want to hang around with. So number one is the isolationist. Number two, the person surrounds himself with yes friends. You don't want 
that kind of friend around you because that kind of friend is only going to be the friend when you agree with them. If you don't agree with them, they're going to defriend you, all right? You're no longer going to be in their friend group. Proverbs 18, 2, okay? All based on scriptures. Proverbs 18, 2 says this. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. You have some friends like that? They only love to hear themselves, all right? And notice what it says. They take no pleasure in understanding, but only in uncovering his heart. Now, notice the word heart. Again, we talked about the center of the will, intellect, and emotion, okay? So remember, this person is only interested in expressing his thoughts. Why? So that you would accept him. He's only interested in expressing his emotions so that you will confirm them. He's only interested in in expressing or talking about his actions so you will approve him. In other words, this relationship with this individual, the only reason he's friends with you is for him or herself. Okay? So these are powerful because we just go through life without thinking. If we have something in common, like chiefs, they become our friends. Okay? Okay, Scripture shows us that that is not, (laughs) that's not a good reason to be friends, amen? All right, throw the red flag, or the yellow flag, brother, that's fine. All right, let's let's keep moving, we've got to get through this fast. Number three is the smartest person in the room. (laughs) You don't want to be friends with a person who's smart, although you're probably thinking, but I am the smartest person. And if you are like that, Fred's a counselor, we will hook you up after service, all right? Okay, some people think that they are the smartest person. They know everything there is to know. Here's the thought. They have to be right. Proverbs 12, verse 15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. In other words, don't raise your hand. But if you're this kind of person, you're thinking, why am I wasting my time listening to the piglets? Because I'm the big pig. And you find yourself wasting. And if that be the case, this is the kind of person you are. Number four, a gossip. Okay? Again, a red flag. Proverbs 17, 9. Got to get through this, all right? Love prospers. This is powerful. Love prospers prospers when a fault is forgiven. A powerful truth. In other words, love is really flourishing and exposed and and lifted up, this unconditional love, when forgiveness is present. But then it goes on, and it says, but dwelling on it. What's the it about? The fault. Dwelling on it separates closest friends. Another translation says, dwelling and repeating the matter separates closest friends. The gossip part, all right? But I love the, I love the love flourishes when there's forgiveness, okay? Number four is gossip. Number five is an angry person. Proverbs 22, uh, 24 through 25. Don't befriend an angry person or associate with a hot-tempered person or people. Why? Because you will learn to be just like them and endanger your soul. Now, here's the, here's the thought. 
How many of us, we know that we're not going to become like them? We are who we are. I mean, that's rational thinking. But when they fall and your lives are entangled with them, your soul is in danger. Can you see that? When they fall, the effects, the ripple effects affect you, it affects your family, and affects everything around you. You have to be careful when you're running around and becoming friends with a hot-tempered person. Number six, the pleasure seeker. Proverbs 28, 7. Young people who obey the law are wise. Young people, did you hear that? Okay, young people. Those who, those with wild friends bring their parents to shame, bring shame upon their parents. I thought that was really good for you young people. Amen. Just be careful of pleasure seekers. They will bring your parents to shame. All right, so here's where we want to zero in on. We're going to drill down on this idea of the kind of people that we want in our lives, the kind of friends, and the kind of friends we want to be. Okay, this is very important. Okay, uh, so the first thought, the first person that we want to have is the kind of person that helps us to stay satisfied in God. That's going to help us in our relationship with God. That's the kind of people. We want the kind of people that help us to be satisfied. Listen to these two verses. In 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it says this. And I'm just going to sum it up because it it talks about a lot of things there. In the very end, it says this, okay? Do all things, or let all things be done for strengthening you. He's talking to the church. Let everything be done so that you're strengthened. The things that I do should be to strengthen you. The things that you do should be to strengthen me and to strengthen each other. That's what it's talking about there. And then chapter 16, verse 14, again, I'm going to put it in the synopsis here. Let all that you do be done in love. Okay, so all that the church does, the number one priority under the umbrella as we're doing it to strengthen each other and to love one another. Okay, so... So when I think about that, I believe that encouraging somebody to grow in their faith and encouraging somebody to love and to pour our lives and love into them is really the same as being satisfied in God. For example, the definition of satisfy means this, met expectations, met expectations. So I want to help you to be satisfied in God, to make sure that your expectations are founded on this book. And so that you can, you can look back at your life and say, yes, I'm satisfied with all that God has done. I mean, if nothing else, your salvation should be enough, rescued you from hell and put you on a solid, solid foundation and, and set a course. And, and that's in his presence. I mean, just that alone without all the rest of the stuff, if you're focusing there, it should cause you to sit back and say, I'm satisfied with an expectation that's met. So you you got to help each other get our priorities right and our thinking correct. All right? 
A verse, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them that are called according to his purpose. Again, satisfied means satisfied with a job well done. So the thought is this. That's a mouthful, preacher. How in the world can I help you, pastor, be satisfied in God? Or how can we help each other be satisfied in God? To be able to say, I know that all things work together for good. I know my past, my present, and my future, and all that he is. I want to just rest and be satisfied knowing he's got this. Okay, how can we help each other? Number one, okay, speak the promises of God. Speak the promises of God. People are satisfied with what they see and what they taste. People are actually satisfied when, when they see something that somebody else is enjoying, and they see it and they, they think, that's going to bring me satisfaction, so they reach out and grab it, right? And, and when they taste something that's fantastic, my wife made some cookies last night, and she gave me a broken one, <laughs> saving the rest for the Super Bowl, all right? It was fantastic. So guess what? I wanted more. Here's the thought. Okay? Our responsibility is to show each other that God satisfies more than television. That my time with God satisfies more than entertainment. That's our responsibility, to show my brothers and sisters in Christ that my time with God is more satisfying than entertainment. That my time with God is more satisfied than the hours I spend binge-watching Netflix and all the... I I, I get wrapped up in a movie, and I want to do that. It's fighting not to do that. Anybody like that? When you got a day off, and you just... I want to show people, if we're really going to help people be satisfied, that's our responsibility. Show them that he's more satisfying than our careers, than money and all the things that money can buy. So my job is simply to help people to see and to taste that he is more satisfying than any of the things of this life. And you do that by speaking the truth and specifically the promises of God. I'll give you an example. Uh, last week, I was having breakfast with a, with a fellow, and uh, we we're just talking. He came up with this, this situation that took place in his life, and, and I thought, this is a great opportunity for me to give him a verse of Scripture. So I give him Psalms 34, 7. Let's put it up on the screen. And as I'm giving it to him, I'm hoping in the back of my mind that this verse stays with him so that he can be satisfied. He can enjoy God. So let's look at this verse. Let's kind of let's break it down a little bit, all right? It says, for the angel of the Lord is a guard, okay? The angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all them that fear him. So I'm explaining to this guy. I said, uh, okay, so the word fear, and he's, of course, he goes here, so he remembers the definition. Fear is awe and just reverence for God demonstrated in a life of wisdom. Okay, awe and respect and 
you know, wow of God demonstrated in embracing God's word and living it out. We, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Okay, so, so the person, let me just turn this verse around so we can grab it. The person who defend, or the person that fears the Lord, who embraces the word of God and lives it out, God sends his angel. Now, I looked that up in the Hebrew, and it means that God dispatched a messenger, an angel from heaven. That's just good stuff. Because I'm embracing God's word and I'm living it out, God says, I'm going to dispatch to you an angel. Well, that sounds exciting. What? To guard and to defend. And as he's sitting around across the table, I said, defend from what? He says, well, the first thing that I think of is what you told me uh, a few months ago, and that is that there's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and this angel is going to defend me from Satan who is trying to devour me. Isn't that good? So the point is, I spoke the word of God hoping that he would be able to just be satisfied in the promises knowing what God is going to do and is doing in his life. Okay, so speaking the word of God will help others be satisfied. Another thought is this. If you're going to help others to be, if you're going to be that kind of friend that helps your friend be satisfied in God, speak the word of God. Number two, fill up your own wells. What do I mean by that? Don't just speak words of satisfaction to people. Because if, you, if you're living a life of dissatisfaction in God, you're living a life that contradicts your words and the claims that you have as far as being a Christian. I'm in church, and I love God, and I'm worshiping God, but then I'm fearful. I'm constantly worrying I'm just pacing back and forth because I don't think God can come through with this. All of a sudden, listen, you are living, what? You're, this is what you're doing. You're diluting the message of God with your behavior. And the last thing we want to do is tell somebody, oh, yeah, I want you to be saved because Christ is so wonderful. And then you go around and you live a life of fear, worry, and you don't believe in the book. You're living a contradiction. And you're diluting the effects of the word of God. So when you live a life of joy and you are excited about this life in Christ and you're resting on his promises and he satisfies you completely, whether you win today or whether you lose. Now, let me, let's just stop here. Boop. All right. I've won two Super Bowls with my man Peyton Manning, right? Okay, you, you, you know that. Okay, so... And I'm so excited. I'm throwing things around, just getting excited. I mean, just screaming, going outside. I did this the other day when the Chiefs won to call the Super Bowl. I went out of my deck and I was screaming, Chiefs! <laughs> my neighbor across the street, I mean, he's way over there. He says, Chiefs! <laughs> he's outside doing the same thing. <laughs> I get a little excited. Okay, so, but my point is, Peyton Manning won these, and two days later, it's like, where's the thrill? He's got the trophy, I got nothing. He, he's got all the attention. I got nothing. And so it's up here and then boom. So that's why it's so important to be satisfied in God. The joy shows. 
when you're living a life of joy, or, or, or the satisfaction shows when you're living a life of joy, showing yourself satisfied in God. All right, so how can I help my uh, brothers and sisters to be satisfied in God? Uh, basically, speak the word and fill my own wells. And that, that leads me to the next thought, and that is you have to be disciplined in order to do that. There has to be personal discipline. That's the key required for you to fill up your wells and to have this, okay? It comes down to whether we taste and we see personally that the Lord is good. There's nothing, there's nothing you could do for me that would be better than what you're doing in Proverbs. You're texting each other, you're on Facebook, you're talking about this verse, and you're talking about this verse, and you're holding each other accountable. It just brings great joy because you're happy in Christ. I mean, my wife told me a couple of months ago, she goes, she goes, no, I don't think you said more sexy. I think, I think she said something like, I was thinking about this last night. It's just an off-the-cuff illustration, you know, one of those. She said, nothing, there's nothing that I love more than when you're walking with God. Okay, and children are the same way. There's, there's nothing that brings me as a dad greater joy than to see my children. Of course, that's in 1 John, walking in the truth. So, so if you want to minister to me, be satisfied in Christ. Let him be the source of your joy. Okay, be happy in God. So, so if I want to turn this around, how can I be the greatest blessing for people around me? The answer is get up in the morning, go to the word of God. And as George Mueller said, get yourself happy in God first, Amen. then go out and meet other people. So that's just, that's the idea of, I want, I want to, I want the friend in my life. And I, I've had a lot of friends over the years. But I want the kind of friends that pour into me to help me to be satisfied in God. And I want to be that kind of friend to help you be satisfied in God. And the way I can do that is give you the word of God and, and me personally show you by my joy, by my peace, and my contentment. Number two. All right. Uh, um, the kind of friend I want in my life, the kind of friend I want to be, number two, is be the person that sticks through good and bad. Okay, you listening? Be the kind of friend that sticks. Proverbs 17, 17. I can't stress this enough. Look what it says. A friend is always loyal. You don't get that out of other translations. This is fantastic always loyal, as a brother is born to help in the time of need. The reason God brought you in my life is for this. See, we, we think friendship is all about us. It's really about us investing and loving and caring and help them be satisfied. And here, a brother is born in time of, to help in time of need. So loyalty, we've, we've lost that today. I have a lot of friends, as I've gone through difficult times, they've just turned and the tail between the legs and ran. 
as I started different churches and done different things, man, the, the difficult times, it really shows who the real genuine friend is. Because friends, and the only way you're know, going to know what kind of friend you're supposed to be is get in the book and be what the book says. Because we don't know. The world's telling us what kind of friends we, we need to be. That isn't the standard. This is the standard. Be loyal. Okay? And, and I think we learned this from Job's three friends. Can I hear an amen? amen. Job lost everything. Okay? I'll try to get through this as fast as I can. So Job, God allowed Satan to come and take everything that Job had, so he lost all his wealth. Came, God allowed Satan to come and take his children, so he lost all his children. God allowed Satan to come and take his health, which there's a fantastic truth in all of this. So he's, Job is sitting on this heap of ashes, and he's got a sackcloth around him, and he's weeping. He's got boils all over his body. He's trying to find some comfort. Three friends come, and it's Ellie Fars. Bildad, and Zophar. Zo, whatever, all right? That's the three names of the friend. And they sit, seriously, they sit in the ashes with Job, and for seven days, they say nothing. If it would have stopped there, they would have been the heroes in the story. They should have just stopped there and let the theological other stuff be dealt with later. But instead, they're considered the enemies of the story because they wrestled over the purpose and why this was happening to Job. Theological wrestling comes later, not in the time of calamity. Okay? Be loyal. I'm going to give you an example of this. When you walk into a situation and there's this horrendous tragic, like Job losing... Ten kids. Who cares about the wealth? Who cares about your health? Ten kids. Of course, they were adults, but that's not the point. Still, ten children. Calamity, amen? Devastation. I had a, a family, friends of ours back in Nebraska. Um, very legalistic people. Very legalistic, but we're friends. And um, disagreed on a lot of stuff, but they kept coming. And then we got together, had, had great times, even though uh, we disagreed. They disagreed on our philosophy that we'll do anything this side of sin to reach people for Christ. And so they didn't like the fact that we had a, one Christmas we had a Santa Claus come up here on the, on the pulpit. Amen? Didn't preach, he was just on the pulpit. A little kid got in his lap and led Santa Claus to the Lord. Yes! He hated that. I thought it was great. So it was fantastic. And then, and then he also hated we would do, you know, Halloween and we'd do uh, um, uh, Easter egg hunts and all that to try and reach people. So, so disagree, but just kept coming for some reason. But anyway, we became good friends. Uh, and you've heard, some of you have already heard this story that, that uh, he was, him and his wife were early in the morning. The kids went, two of his kids went to go lift weights. And when they were coming back, they had a car accident, tangled with a semi. Both these oldest two kids died. I got the call, ran to the hospital. As I come to the hospital, I run into the room. Him and his wife are leaning over his 17-year-old daughter, dead, lying on the bed. The son's over here, 13 or 14, dead. And I come in the room, and all I could do was weep with them. I mean, what can you say, right? 
What kind of, what kind of words? Just walk in there and just, first thing is hold them, love them, and then stayed with them for quite some time, but I just all backed up. Then I'd come forward, back up, preach the funeral. The whole school, two of the schools from Madison, Nebraska were there, and a lot of kids got saved during that particular time. We had a celebration a year later, and in that celebration, um, several more kids got saved. A year later, that we had a couple of celebrations just to celebrate their life and that they're with the Lord and, and that kind of thing. But we never, in those times, we never talked about theologic, theologian, theologically sound or whether they're not sound and, and the doctrines and their, and their practices. We never wrestled about that. You need to be loyal. And even though he disagreed on Santa Claus, he disagreed on this, those, yes, I was the smartest person in the room then, amen? We disagreed, it's all right. We love them beyond. Him and her and their youngest child were more important than Santa Claus. I'm not going to change, we're still going to reach people. But he can murmur all he wants, he can come to me and he can grab me, he can play, but it doesn't matter. I'm there for him. So, so when you walk into calamity, you don't have to say nothing. You don't have to come with this. Just love, hold, be quick to cry, quick to listen, quick to hold, quick to meet, meet needs, and slow to speak. And you can be the hero in that person's story. So loyalty, I can't stress that enough. I want people in my life that when I go through troubles... They're there, with, they're there for me. Seriously, that's the kind of friend I want. Even when I sin and I mess up, I want them there for I don't want them running because I'm, I've fallen. I've fallen and I need somebody to help me get up. Can I hear an amen? I need somebody to help me get up. Not to say, <gasps> and then run. Because then all of a sudden, I'm alone and guess who can come and just have his way with me? I'm already backslidden. I need somebody to go to the throne of God for me. Somebody come, and this is the last point, come and rebuke me. Speak truth in love. And that's the third thought, okay? True friends are faithful friends that will wound you. Proverbs talks about this, and we'll get into that verse in just a moment. But sharp spiritual wisdom like correction and exhortation might feel cold and surgical, okay? But it keeps us from hardening our hearts. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Now, now follow this. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your heart is not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God, okay? You see that. Make sure you're not like Israel. This is examples Israel in the wilderness. Look at verse 13. You must warn each other daily. That's you and me. I'm just, I'm just being transparent. We need to speak truth. We need to warn each other daily while it is still today. Why? So that none of you will be deceived by sin and harden your heart together. I can't be deceived by sin. We all can be deceived by sin. When you're on the outside looking in at your brother and sister's life, you can see so clearly. You can't see your life very well, but you can see their life, amen? You can see the, the wilted flower, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. So this is talking about the, that like a surgical 
incision may be painful at first, it protects from the greater harm. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 6. Wounds from a sincere friend is better than many kisses of the enemy. Okay, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Another translation is, is probably even richer. But this is what we do, okay? Let's just be transparent just for a few moments. God have mercy that we just come and just flower you with, with non-valuable things and you just, yay! Okay? Um, what we do is we will confront the... the Outward light sins of each other. In other words, I will come to you and I'm more than willing to confront you on the surface level stuff. No big deal. And you'll even receive that. But it takes a, a loyal friend to look at the wilted flower. Just imagine a flower up here. Look at the wilted flower. No longer beautiful, just wilted. It takes a really loyal friend to, to go down the stem, to go down to the roots, to find out, why is this flower wilting? What's going on down here in the roots? Everybody, everybody follow me? Studying your friend, finding out, listening to the words carefully, not just playing around with your words back and forth, but you're listening intently to what they're saying so that you can find out exactly why the flower is wilting. It takes a, a serious, loyal friend to do something like that. And, and the flower uh, it could be because it's deficient on thankfulness, joy, Gentleness, patience, kind, love, self-control. I mean, those are the beautiful things of the, the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, the flower is thriving. Well, when, you're, when you're mean and you're nasty and you're complaining and you're murmuring and you're worrying, all the opposite things of the fruit of the Spirit, that flower is wilting. And a good friend will go down deep. Let's just give, give you an example. Let's put Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 and 4 on the board. Just follow this, okay? Let there be no sexual immoral impurity or greed among you. Such sins should, should not have a place amongst us Christians, okay? Verse 4. Obscene. I mean, if I'd come down and say, are you guys in an affair? Are you guys doing this? Are you? No. But now, here is a different story. Notice that it says, this is connected to verse 3. Obscene stories can wilt the flower, okay? The foolish talk, the coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, be thankful. In other words, where does this come from? I mean, why is this like this? Let's go down deeper. Okay, so verse 4 all the way down. Let's go to the next verse, verse 14. All the way down to verse 14, he names all kinds of stuff like this. And then he gets to the root. It's really good. Verse 14. You don't have 14? That's fine. Let me just read it. Go to your phones, your electronic Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4 there. 
or Ephesians 5, 14. <laughs> this is good, guys. Listen. Awake, O sleeper. Now, Paul's talking to believers. Awake, O sleepers. Sleep, believers are sleeping? Why are they sleeping? Because of the stuff that it previously mentioned. The roots are down in the wrong stuff. <laughs> so believers are sleeping, and now that they're sleeping, he says, arise from the dead. They're walking amongst the unbelieving dead people. And when that happens, Christ will give you light. So the crude jokes, I mean, I'm not just zeroing in on, on that stuff. I'm, I'm talking about your roots down deep in things that aren't good for you, and you're pulling them up, the, the, the flower's going to wilt. You've got to have those. So a good friend is one that will just say, hey, uh, that's something you're not, not to be watching. That's something you're not, not to be listening to. Why? Because it will wilt the flower. You'll find yourself spiritually sleeping. We don't want to sleep spiritually. We'll find ourselves walking amongst the dead and thinking, hey, we're doing great. But we're not getting any revelation from Christ. He's silent. Heaven's silent. He's not speaking to my heart. I'm not getting anything good. I'm starving spiritually. It's because we got our roots down. The only way we're going to get out of that is a brother or sister is honest and caring and say, I'll notice on the surface, man, something's not right. Uh, what's going on? And so you dig deep to find out. Are they been watching something they shouldn't be? Are they watching some, uh, on your phone, some YouTube stuff? Are they gaming all night? And they're satisfied in the gaming rather than the word? I'm not preaching against gaming, but I'm telling you, that's not going to make the flower arrive. It's going to wilt if there's no time in the world. So my point is, I want us to be friends. Good friends at Real Life Church. Amen? Amen. Friends that are willing to say, man, I want you to be satisfied in the Lord. And I'm going to show you how to do that. Friends that say, I'm going to be loyal in your life friends that are going to speak the truth. Three things that Proverbs brings to the surface as we study it. But you know what? We have to make a choice. Do I want to be that friend that's in church and there's this football team you can't stand? He's right back there. He's wearing that shirt right there. See? Greg's wearing my enemy's t-shirt. But he's got a Kansas City hat on. <laughs> but I love this guy. He's my friend. Okay? Who cares about Tom Brady? Okay? I'm just kidding. I mean, this is where it's at. If Tom Brady was in my life, that's where it was at. But he's not. He is. I wouldn't let him be my friend. No, I'm kidding. But you get the point. Seriously. Okay? We have to choose. And right here is a bunch of good people. And we need to be loyal. 
because we're all going to fall. There's not a one person here that will not stay above falling. And you need someone like me or someone like you to come to our side and say, brother, I'm praying for you and speak the truth. It's a surgical cut, but man, you're so much better afterwards. So this morning, let's just close our eyes, bow our heads. I want to pray for you this morning, if you want to be that kind of friend that shows that you're satisfied in God so they can see, that you're loyal and you want to speak the truth, just raise your hand so I can see. Would you do that? I want to be that kind of friend. Lift up your hand all over the place. Just, just lift it up. I want to be that kind of friend. Thank you. May I put it down? Now, no one's looking around, but how many say, I want that kind of friend in my life? Lift up your hand. Lift up your hand all over the place. I, I'm lifting up both hands. I want that kind of friend. So I'm going to pray for you this morning before we go to the, the next song. Have the band come up here as we're praying this morning. But I'm going, to, I'm going to pray this morning for you that raised your hand. Father, we come to you. All of us come to you. We, we are needy people. We, we read Proverbs and it speaks to us. And Father, we want to be the kind of friend that literally is loyal to the posse that you put around us, to the people that you put around us. We want to be loyal and loving and speak the truth in love. We don't want to back down. We want to, we want to be the kind of people that, that sees the wilt and then just doesn't walk away, but we, we dig down into the, the roots and we find out in loving way how we can help. Not judgmental, not mean spirit, but love. It's all about them, not us. So God, we pray that you would help us to want to be that friend and then to look for people around us that will be that kind of friend to us. And then, Father, we step away from that just for a moment. There might be somebody here that's, that's really struggling, Lord. Father, I lift them to you. I don't know what's going on in their life, but they're really struggling, going through a difficult time. I bring them to you, Father, and I pray that you would minister right now to their hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just Give them a word. Speak to them a word that will encourage them and help them to stand on your word. And then, Father, I pray for somebody else who might be here that's never trusted in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for their sins. Father, I pray for them right now that they would be gloriously saved. Oh, God, pray you bless. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And the people said? Let's all stand to our feet as we sing this last song, all right?